my last chance to get to preach to you, maybe not ever, but for my time, it's been an awesome six weeks. I don't know what Pastor John has picked out next time. What are, what are you doing next week? Oh, I thought you were going to do Maccabees or something. Weird. <laughs> Philemon. Okay, cool. So uh, I picked this passage um, because I just want to make sure that you are blessed. You already are blessed. And that, that I get to talk about this a little bit. You have blessed me, City of Hope. And um, it's been so great to be with you these six months. So bear with me. Uh, I'll probably cry. That is super normal if you've been around here for a while, the last six months. Um, I picked this passage, and I want to preach through the whole book of Numbers. Whoa. And, but my goal is to average a normal length sermon because last week I went a little long, I, I admit. Billionaire Mark Moore, I don't know if you've heard of this, he wants to build a new city completely from scratch. It's going to be called Telosa. And all he's looking for is 150,000 acres to put it somewhere. He would li- he'd like it to be in Texas or Nevada or Utah, somewhere where there's some space. And it's going to cost... $400 billion, and he says it's going to be the most open, the most fair, the most inclusive city in the world. It's going to be an equitable, equitable sustainable future. Now, how easy is that going to be? It's one thing to talk about building a city from scratch. It's a whole another thing to do it. Now, I wasn't here for City of Hope when it got started. Was anyone here when that happened? A couple of you were, yeah, you've been around a while. And so I, I know some of the origin story of City of Hope. I, I, I'm friends with Pastor Irwin. I don't know Pastor Wood. And I do know Pastor John. And you had this little blip of time with me in here. Um, but when you run a church, there's stuff to do. I, I, I know that's shocking, right? And... And when you start a church, it's particularly interesting. And, and it'll be really cool someday, put this on the radar, when City of Hope plants a church. That is a day to look forward to and to pray about. And it, it's a part of maturity to send things out from you and multiply Presbyterians and Christians and... It's a little scary. And so, so when, you, when you plant a church, you know, a lot of people think, okay, what are we going to do? We're going to preach Christ and Him crucified. Well, yeah, you are going to do that. But there's a lot more stuff to do. You are going to share Christ and His goodness, His mercy, His justice, His compassion. You're going to have rich worship services each and every Lord's Day over and over and over again gathering together to remind each other of all the things that happened in the, the, the midweek and to come back together a people of God. Each and every week in that service Jesus is taught from the Bible. It's interesting when you really stop and think about it, all the sermons are the same. They're just variations on the exact same theme. 
because we forget over and over and over. And, and in my six months, I have preached the same message to you that Christ loves sinners. And you are sinners. So am I. And so then we have the book of Numbers. Think about Genesis. God created the world. He created male and female after his image. And then we're plunged into sin. And then we start having these things happen. You know, Noah and then Abram is called. We have the patriarchs and the matriarchs. And Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. And then there's this time and, and God's people get put into slavery in Egypt. And, and this leader comes out, Moses, who feels so inadequate. And God sends these plagues and Pharaoh says, get out of here. And so they, they leave. They wander in the wilderness. Get the Ten Commandments. Worship a golden calf. Then you get to Leviticus. This is where a lot of like year-long Bible reading plans die. Right here. Um, this is all about the, the priests and the offerings and the Day of Atonement. And then, after Numbers, it's going to be the law, Deuteronomy. And right there in the middle, there's this book. And you know, the book of Numbers is weird. There's a lot of things that happen in there that don't happen anywhere else. And there's, there's some boring parts. Like Chapter 1 is all about counting things. Um, registrations and a census and accountants love chapter one of numbers and then you have like arrangements of campsites and then we start with these priest things duties of clan chapter five is is what to do when when people do wrong things when they get unclean or they need to make restitution or they commit adultery chapter six is about vows chapter seven is about offerings chapter eight is about the Levites. Chapter 9 is about the Passover. Then they go to Sinai. Chapter 11 is about complaints. I often work at this Irish pub in the afternoon. And, and one thing that bothers me, I've, I've shared a lot of things that have bothered me, right? You're getting to know me a lot. Is uh, when a restaurant has a Pandora channel or Spotify and they don't pay just a little tiny bit to get the ads off, it's like, I'm sitting here, now I'm listening to ads about Amazon, and they're like, come on, it doesn't cost a lot. So, uh, so I was asking the manager, who's a friend, right, tongue-in-cheek, and I was complaining. He's like, well, there's not a complaint jar. So I made a complaint jar right then, and then I handed out sticky notes to everyone in the whole place to say, get your complaints in, because this is the day. <laughs> My second complaint is like, it's too hot outside. That was a complaint I put in. So they were all funny. So they have complaint jar in, in numbers. Miriam and, and Aaron opposed and the spies. And then there are all these things. The rebellion, they're defeated in battle. There's laws and their duties. Moses strikes the rock. Moses holds up a bronze, bronze serpent. And if you look at the serpent, you don't die. Balaam's donkey. You've surely heard of that. That's wacky. Uh, Joshua gets picked. Their offerings, lists, cities of refuge, marriages. It's, it's an interesting book. And so to think about 
all the things that it takes to run a church and think about all the things that are in numbers. But it's about Jesus still, right? There's other stuff to do besides faith in Jesus, for sure. we got to have organization when we get people together. That's true for yoga class, right? Which way are we going to face? Who's in charge? Do you need two blocks? Do you register? That's true for CrossFit. That's true for any membership. You've got to have policies and rules and waivers and fines. And goodness gracious, Maryland vehicle registration stuff is by far a big hassle. So we are used to this. We, this is how we evaluate things, how we have a budget, how we know how many chairs to set up, how we figure out what songs to sing, who is going to be in charge of Sunday school. So there are all these decisions about the bulletin and the reports. That's a big part of church. But what's the policy on generosity? You can't policy everything. What's the policy on welcoming outsiders or city engagement? What's our policy on kindness, patience? How do we talk about ourselves? And so, so whenever you, so in numbers and in church, you have these policies and you have these principles, and then you have case studies. How does Easter look around here? How does Pentecost look around here? What type of parties do we throw? How do we think of ourselves? How do we suffer? What happens when something goes wrong? Because as we gather together, we are all mixed bags, aren't we? When we are sinners, what do we do? We sin, and we hurt each other. Our relationship with God suffers because we're glorious ruins. We break fellowship. We're wayward children prone to wander, prodigal sons and daughters. And there are so many ways to sin, and we are so good at it. And each and every week, we've really been pointing out, and numbers is exactly the same. It's not just them out there. It's us in here, we need forgiveness and grace, right? I need forgiveness and grace. And I have sinned against you already in six months, I'm sure. Things that I, I should have done, things that I, I shouldn't have done, said. Taking myself too seriously, taking things not seriously enough too focused on things, unfocused on things. But the good news is right here. Jesus loves sinners. Amen? He forgives them. He came to die die for them. John 1 says he, He tabernacled among us. The Word became flesh and dwelt with us. How amazing is that? He lived the perfect life for us, died on the cross for us, rose again for us. Jesus is the best priest ever. 
The book of Hebrews makes that point over and over and over again. Jesus isn't just the priest. He's the offering. He's the Passover lamb itself. Firstborn son, the sacrifice. And so that means Jesus takes our complaints. The complaint department is open with him. He takes our rebellion. He takes our grumbling at the the manna isn't good enough. We don't like what he provides. When Moses struck the rock and he got in trouble, he struck Christ, the rock of our salvation. When he held up the snake to save people, Jesus crushed the head of the snake. Right? So Satan doesn't have that power over us anymore. God's people got so lost they needed a donkey to be a prophet. Jesus is the prophet. Speaking the Word. Jesus is the tabernacle. And so, yeah, we need all this organization, right? We, we, we still got to have it. But mostly we need a redeemer. One who sets up shop in us, among us, our salvation, our glory. So Jesus is our core, our fundamental thing, our greatest hope, our greatest confidence. And this gospel message needs to be embraced and applied. Not just listened to and ignored or nodded our heads and walk away. He he brings us together to feed us. And so he puts on you blessings, right? Blessings on your family. And he says, he blesses you. We have so many other blessings, but let's remember God's blessing and that he, he holds us. He is steadfast. And He makes His face to shine upon us. Think of the face of Jesus with a crown, with blood, with sweat and grime. But then He holds our faces up in delight because He did all that. He's gracious that way. And His countenance is on us That means you, as his children, have dignity and respect and honor. And he gives us peace, flourishing, everything set right. We're not there yet. He still gives us peace with him and with each other and with our world. And so that's our message each and every week. So I know what John's going to preach. 
each and every week. That's what we have in store. You know what's coming. It's not going to be a surprise. We need that for our very souls. Amen? Amen. Even when you wander, you can come back to the core of who you are.